You're listening to Rambling with Ryu, hosted by Bean, the co-founder of Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center living with a T10 spinal cord injury, and Nancy, a professional kinesiologist specializing in pediatric and adult neurorehabilitation. Welcome to our activity-based therapy series, where we talk to leading clinicians, researchers, and those with lived experience as we explore the realm of neurorecovery. On this podcast, we educate on the lesser-known topics and give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice. Today, Nancy and I are going to be talking about lifts and transfers. So Nancy, do you want to just get right into it? For sure, yeah. So as many of you know at Ryu, we don't use mechanical lifts. So coming from the hospital setting or acute care setting would be familiar with mechanical lifts. The sling lifts where they stick fabric underneath you, lift you up with a hoist and kind of bring you out. Many of you even in the home environment probably have those as well. So we're going to talk about the lifts that we use within our rehab setting. So we do all the lifting as a specialist and trainers. So it's super important that you understand the lifts and mechanics of lifting. So both you and your client and whoever's helping are safe. So we have a few different types of lifts that we utilize uh, depending on which one would be best for which circumstance. So we'll kind of get into that a little bit as we go. Okay, so let's get into the types of lifts and transfers that we do. I think one of the most common ones that people see is the two-person transfer. Yeah, and there's a few different ways in which we do two-people transfers. So this is where we're usually physically lifting the person up out of their chair. So whether you're in a power chair or a manual chair, we use two people to lift you, and depending on your function and level of ability. So if you have lats, the ability to contract your lats, which means pull your shoulders down, then we do what we call the chicken wing transfer. So it kind of looks like a chicken wing, which is why it's kind of nicknamed that. It's not by any means the technical term, but it's the affectionate term. So we go underneath your arms and we grab your wrists and you're going to then squeeze down onto our arms as we lift you up. So that's the person's coming from behind. So they're behind, they're grabbing your wrists underneath the armpits. And then there's somebody in front who's lifting from the knees. So, and then it's going to be together, one, two, three, lift. And depending on size and what chair you're in, we're usually going to lift and then just move forward to the corner of your chair. And that gives the person behind the opportunity to step around into a better position. Because as the person who's lifting the body weight, you always want to be close to the center of gravity. Ideally, you all have the same center of gravity. We know that's not physically possible, but you want to be as close to each other as possible. So you're all lifting in the safest manner possible. So that's kind of the first big option for lifts, whether you're moving just to a table, to the floor, to the bike, to the total gym. So whatever apparatus, device, location you're going to, that's always a safe choice. And this transfer also gives you the most control. The next option we have is the bear hug. So this one is for those who don't have shoulder stability. So if you're unable to activate your lats, so these are the muscles that pull your shoulders down again, then we're not going to use the chicken wing transfer because the risk of shoulder injury, dislocating a shoulder is way, way, way too high. So we're actually going to go underneath, go low down on your ribs, and we're going to squeeze in nice and tight and grab our own wrists. So your shoulders should have no pressure on them at all. And the person at the knees is in the exact same position there underneath in a good squat. And you guys are still going to lift together. The caveat with this type of transfer is that we're going to move 
a shorter distance and we're going to move a little bit quicker just because we know that as we squish ribs, we may impact breathing a little bit. It's not very common, but it can depending on what your level of function and ability is again. So we're going to go the shortest distance possible in the safest way possible to get to where we're going to achieve the outcomes of that session. So those are the most common two-person transfers or lifts that we do at Rio. Yeah, and with the two-person transfers, it requires a lot of communication amongst the trainer and the volunteer or the two trainers or the student and the trainer, whoever is doing the transfers. And that's what we tell anybody when we're teaching them is to always communicate and make eye contact and make sure that your person is ready. And so, yeah, and that the path is clear and so that it's an easy transfer and most importantly, safe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always the person holding the arms or the upper body is always leading the transfer or the lift. So they're counting one, two, three, lift. So you're both in sync. It's seamless. It's smooth. The person at the legs is super important too in that they are taking a bunch of the body weight, right? So they're taking ideally half the load from the person at the top. So if they're lifting the knees too high or dropping them too low, then they're actually not assisting in the lift as much as they could be. So when you lift the knees too high, you actually dump more of the weight of the client onto the person who's lifting the upper body. And same thing again, if the knees are too low, then they're still holding more of the weight, which if we're thinking about the bear hug, so you're holding the whole upper body, you want to move quickly, but now you've actually got more weight. So now you're actually going to slow down. So it's keeping in mind that constant communication of, okay, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing before you even start moving. So everybody's like being said in the loop of, okay, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We love clear communication. <laughs> Make things way easier. So one of the transfers that you kind of graduate to is the sliding board transfer. Do you want to talk about that a bit, Nancy? Yeah, for sure. So I, I don't know if we just say graduate, but this is one of the first transfers that a lot of people will learn to be independent with. That being said, we can use in sliding board transfers for those who are still unable to transfer and maybe lifts aren't a great choice. The risk with a sliding board transfer is shearing. So shearing basically is a friction injury to the skin. So we know skin integrity does go down once we've sustained some sort of injury that has left us immobile or in a seated posture for a long period of time. Just because of that, like it sounds, so the pressure buildup breaks down skin over time. So that's why weight shifting and pressure relieving is such a big part of life after some sort of paralysis. So we really want to educate well on how to properly transfer to avoid shearing because what happens is we usually see shearing injuries on your bottom so usually on your sit bones is where it's most at risk because that's basically the bony prominences so your butt bones basically underneath that you sit on that's where the shearing can actually occur and become a very serious pressure sore if it's left untreated. So we really like to teach sliding board transfers properly. And a lot of it has to do with weight shifting. So even if your specialists are assisting you with it, if we don't shift forwards off of our butt, the transfer becomes much, much, much more difficult. Yes, going forwards is scary, but that's why your specialist will help spot you, right? But you have to come forwards and it's so much easier once you kind of get over that fear of falling and leaning forward it's a relatively easy transfer, even without core. As long as you've got the ability to lock out your elbows, you don't necessarily need full tricep use. But if you can lock out your elbows, the sliding board transfer is a great technique 
so you can get more independence with that. So what that looks like is it's either a plastic or wood board that you're going to use to get from one surface to another. Obviously, the level surface, so same height surface as your chair, is going to be easy. Going downhill is also fairly easy. Going uphill is going to be the most challenging. So starting with the same level surface, moving armrests out of the way, sliding the sliding board under a quarter to half your bottom, and then you have to remember to shift forward in your chair, especially if you have any kind of dump. What that means is like a backwards angle to help you stay in your chair so your knees are higher than your bottom. That also makes it more challenging. So you have to remember to get forward in the seat of your chair, which also can be scary. So having somebody spot that initially too, um, but bringing yourself forwards, at least half forwards in your cushion. So you want to be well forwards in your chair. So A, we avoid the shearing because one of the number one causes of shearing is gonna be at your tire, right? The tire of your wheelchair is obviously very, very rough and hard. So you wanna get far enough forward that you're fully on the transfer board and then you're gonna slide as you lean forward. Making sure you're also being aware of where your feet are gonna be placed as well. So if you're going to the same level surface as your chair, your feet can either stay on the foot plate or go to the floor. If you're going downhill, um, so transferring to a lower surface, you want your feet to be on the floor. If you're going uphill, this is the instance where your feet are gonna stay on your foot plate or going to a step or some other surface where you can actually get some advantage. Because we know that if your legs are hanging down, it's gonna be a little bit tougher and a little bit more friction on your bottom. The more clearance you can get with your bottom, the better it is and the more efficient it's gonna be. It does require more core though. So as you get stronger and as you figure out the mechanics of it, get faster and faster with it. And the sliding board transfers can be really helpful getting in and out of vehicles, especially those SUVs and trucks that are really high. Sometimes a sliding board doesn't work because they're too high, but it does help with the getting in and out of vehicles, which helps a lot with the independence, like Nancy said. I was going to say, one other thing I was going to add about sliding board transfers is, I know we kind of touched on you doing it yourself, but if we're having a two-person sliding board transfer, which is something we sometimes do depending on what you need, the easiest way to do it and the most efficient way using physics to your advantage is having them lean forwards against your shoulder. You're in a nice squat. Your hands are basically wrapped around their bottom, but it's on the side of their hips. So it's a pivot and we're pivoting with our whole body and the person behind is grabbing middle of the waistband and they're sitting in the line of direction of where you're going. So one huge mistake people make is standing right behind the chair and then basically just having to like bicep curl and reach and lean away from their center of gravity. Whereas if you're already on the surface where they're going, you reach across and just give a one big like row. It's so much easier, so much more efficient, and it's just safer for everybody all around. Using your whole body to help with these transfers. And like we say, you wanna basically have your center of gravities combine to give yourself the least risk of injury. And that's what we always want to emphasize is the least amount of injury, always working on safety. And that's something we will call out at Ryu, like in the moment is if we see somebody have bad posture during a transfer, and simply because we know the risk is so high, but everybody's been really good so far. And we're really, really proud of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say that if you're spotting transfers, you're always spotting from the front because the likelihood of them falling forward is way higher than backwards. And you have to realize that most wheelchairs have backrests. So you falling backwards is not going to be as big of a deal as you falling forward. So always spotting from the front and being in a position and a stance where you can catch, 
right? I think those are the biggest things. Yeah, so kind of like that squat, legs ready, like bent and ready to like, yeah, you like said, catch something, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so then let's also talk about the pivot transfer and the pivot disc that we use. A number of people have asked me, where did you get it? Where did you find it? We've never seen something like this, but it works so well. You want to talk about that a bit? Well, to answer the question of where we got it, Value Village, so a basically discount thrift store. It's basically one of those gimmicky fitness pieces of equipment (laughs) that you stand on and twist back probably from the 70s or 80s. I'm sure an actual pivot disc might exist. I don't know. But yeah, no. So for our clients, basically, we can stand them up in one place and then we can pivot around on this disc because it's a disc that spins to a complete 180 if you want 360 if you're getting fancy but most of the time it's stand up and pivot 90 degrees and then sit them down onto whatever surface so this is most commonly used with those that are high tone so they don't have to be able to necessarily lock out their legs but they do have to be able to go into some sort of extension um, because if they're not into extension they're just going to collapse on you so anybody with like extreme flexor tone so their knees bend or their hips are really tight. This would not be a good choice of transfer. So anybody who has higher tone, and we still will like block knees and stuff like that. We have a knee blocker or we'll block with our own knees when we're standing. But if they can lock out into extension, this is a great choice of transfer. It's encouraging that weight bearing and then stand up pivot to sit. The reason we use the pivot disc is primarily for ankles, right? So even if they can stand independently, but we might not be confident in their ability to step, the stand and pivot is a good one. Just because while you're standing and pivoting, we don't have as much control of the ankles and the feet. So even with two people, it's awkward. There's body weight involved and the risk of falling is higher. So using the transfer disc or the pivot disc is a really good tool to start working on that. And yeah, the, the pivot disc actually is available on Amazon. I found it one time <laughs> recently. Oh, is, is it called a pivot disc? Yeah, it's called a pivot disc. Cool. Yeah. So what would make you choose the specific type of transfer that you're using? Yeah, so I mean, I think it obviously, number one, depends on what we're transferring to. The more awkward a surface we're going to, the more likely I am to pick a more controlled transfer. So let's say we're going to a bike or the total gym. So anything that's not just a level surface, I'm going to pick the one that gives me the most control. So it's the safest. So safety is always the first concern. So you're going to pick the transfer that's going to give you the highest amount of safety and control. And then you're also going to pick what is the goal and outcome of this transfer. Is it to get from point A to point B and do it smooth, efficiently, so we can get onto this exercise? Or is there an element of, I'm going to help support you into getting from point A to point B? So it depends on a few separate things, but I would say safety is going to be your first priority. And then secondary, is there a goal associated with this transfer? So you'll notice in sessions, you'll be transferring to level surfaces or downhill surfaces more independently early on. And then you might progress to you know, transfer referring down to the floor and learning that. So it depends on your goals as well. We always want to incorporate that into sessions, right? So if your goal is independent transferring onto a couch, we're going to start the transferring early on and progress it in a safe manner, in a manner that you're going to be successful and then build skills, build confidence as we go. 
Yeah, and that Florida chair transfer is a really hard one, but a very, very important one to learn because one time or another, you're definitely going to fall out of your chair. And it's so, and it's much less scarier if you know how to get yourself back into your chair. Yeah, and I mean, too, it's not even necessarily that you have to be able to get yourself physically back into your chair, but it's to be able to talk somebody else through helping you back into your chair as well. So it can be scary to be like, oh, I don't currently have the strength to do it, but we're going to get you down and we're going to tell you how to direct somebody else to help you back into your chair. Because let's say you know, we've had a very slippery, icy winter that, well, maybe that's physically not possible in the current circumstance. So how can you facilitate your own rescue, so to speak, back into your own wheelchair? Because we have to remember that a lot of the general public don't know how to help and they want to help. And rather than risk injury of pulling on arms and legs and just plopping you back into your chair, we can be like, no, here, we're going to do this and this and this. And this is how you help me get back into my chair with this transfer in the safest way possible for everybody. Yeah. And it's important to really be clear and concise with your instructions. What I've found and a bunch of my friends have said the same thing is like, when you do fall, people often get really flustered, especially the able-bodied people of the, and like the bystanders, they usually get a little flustered. And yes, like you said, Nancy, they want to help and they're getting a little bit eager, but then they don't listen to you. <laughs> and that gets a little bit frustrating when they're just, yeah, like you said, pulling on your arms and legs. And then you really have to really be clear in telling them exactly what to do and how to move your body. Just, yeah, being clear and concise in that is really important. And know that, like I said, some people get really flustered and don't really listen to you. Yeah. Can you give us an example, Bean, of what you would say to somebody had you fallen out of your chair and you need help getting back in? Yeah, sure. So I'll tell you a real life example. It wasn't me, but I was picked up one of my male friends. He's a paraplegic and he's quite big. He's over 200 pounds. And when he was transferring out of my car into his wheelchair, the wheelchair slid and he ended up falling onto the ground in between the chair and my car. And so obviously I wasn't able to lift him up and we were going to a restaurant and it was in a strip mall. So there was, luckily there was quite a few people around. And so there was a man and his wife that I called over and I asked if they could help put him back in his chair. And they said, yes, of course. And so I told them exactly how to do it. We moved his wheelchair back first. I instructed the man to go squat behind him to put his arms underneath his armpits and grab his wrists in front of his chest. And then my friend knew to clamp down on his arms. And then the wife, I told her to come around in the front, also get into a squat position, clasp her hands together under his knees. And then on three, they both lifted and just put him in his chair very smooth. And it was a very successful transfer. Yeah, no, and that's great. Because I mean, I think a lot of people get intimidated by even the thought of falling out of a chair and stuff like that. So just having an example of how to direct people with transfers is a huge boost of confidence too. Yeah, definitely. And we'll teach family members and stuff how to transfer you as well. We had a client just last week actually had a few falls and he's new to the wheelie community. So that happens a lot more in the first couple of years. But he had a few falls and his children who are grown were trying to assist him and they just couldn't do it. And so I told him, I'm like, well, why don't you bring them in and we'll put you on the floor and we'll show them how to actually safely get you back into your chair. And something that a lot of people don't really think of is going to a step stool first before going into your seat and just making that height a little bit more manageable by like cutting it in half. Mm hmm. And then what do you say to people who you fall to your chair, you're by yourself at home and you can't get back in? What then? What's your next move? 
Good question. So you should really have an emergency plan of action in place. If you are by yourself and say you're not injured, so it's not like an emergency, maybe there's a neighbor you can call or a friend or a family member. If no one's around and you don't want to be on the ground forever, I would call 911 and tell them that you have fallen out of your chair and that you need to be lifted back into your wheelchair. And usually they'll send the fire department over. Yeah, so there's always options around and still being there to tell people, even if they're professionals, okay, this is how I prefer to be transferred and this is what's worked best and being confident enough to speak up about that stuff as well and realizing that you being on the floor for an extended period of time is more damaging than you calling for help, right? Calling for help is always a good option. So to never feel bad about doing that or never not call because you don't want to waste people's time and that kind of thing, right? You don't want to risk long-term injury with a pressure sore over that. Yeah, for sure. That's really good advice. All right, Nancy. Well, I mean, we talked about a lot of the different types of transfers that we do. We talked about the risks associated with the specific types of transfers. Is there anything else that you want to add? I think I just wanted to highlight that as trainers, as specialists, you have to take care of yourself, right? You have to maintain a strong core. You have to focus on your mechanics. Doing even one sloppy lift can have long-term consequences. And you as a specialist are responsible for everybody in the lift. So one thing I guess we didn't really touch on was live weight versus dead weight, which is why we always have the clients squeeze down on our arms with the chicken wing lifts. It's much easier to lift somebody who's actively engaged with the lift. And those of you who've done lifts know exactly what I'm talking about. And for somebody who's unable to squeeze down your arms, it's a lot heavier. It's a lot more awkward to lift than somebody who's able to actively squeeze down and be a part of the lift. So um, protect yourself, protect your back. Back injuries are very, very common. They are, however, avoidable. So Take care of your body, work out, have good mobility, have good body mechanics, use physics to your advantage. Um, a lot of people I do know struggle to apply physics in the real world. So if you need help, you're struggling with certain positions, reach out to those around you, talk to a coworker. But there's always solutions because we know not everybody has the exact same strengths and not every lift or technique works for everyone. But just troubleshooting and realizing if something doesn't feel good, you probably need to adjust and then just practice, right? If you don't have the base strength, that's something that needs to be built first. Yeah, and that's what we do is we help people get stronger. And that's what we love. Yep, yeah. Everybody gets stronger when they come through Ryu. So really maintaining your own body helps everybody else in the long run too. And one other thing that I guess just so everybody out there who's listening knows, this is not an exhaustive list of the types of transfers that are out there. You may have learned a transfer that works great for you, and that's fantastic. We always welcome the opportunity to learn about new different types of transfers and those that work well for you. Yep. Thanks for all that information, Nancy, about lifts and transfers. I know it's a hot topic with a lot of people once you become part of our community. And if you guys have any questions or comments or anything you can let us know through our instagram or you can email us through our website which is ryu.ca and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did as always we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe leave us a five-star review and a comment on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts as this helps us increase our reach and stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks